0: Welcome to Thinks Out Loud, internet marketing expertise your business needs. I'm Tim Peter. Well, hello again, everyone. and Welcome back to Thinks Out Loud, your source for all the digital expertise your business needs. My name is Tim Peter. This is episode 321 of The Big Show, and this is sort of like the golden episode. You know, remember when you were a kid and your birthday, if the year you turned uh, a certain age fell on the same date, that's your golden birthday, right? So if you're born on the 12th and you turn 12, that's your golden birthday and things like that. Well, this is episode 321, and I am recording this on March 21st. 2021. So it's sort of, you know, the 21, 21, 21 episode. You will probably hear this a couple of days later, you know, probably more like Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, But I'm kind of excited about it because of a weird numerical little treat that came up. (laughs) And it entertained me. And hopefully you got a a little kick out of that too. Um, There is so much to talk about. This has been you know, a crazy couple of weeks, a crazy couple of months as, I don't want to say as the pandemic is ending, but as the pandemic is beginning to wind down, you know, we're starting to see some real progress. We're starting to see some real opportunities ahead of us. There was a story in the New York Times about the fact that Disney's California Adventure Park has reopened in California after being closed for some time and that guests are paying $75 to visit per person. 75 bucks per person to visit. And they can walk around and they can shop and they can, you know, wave at characters from a distance, but there's not real close character interactions. And there are no rides open yet. And still demand has been overwhelming people are desperate to get out and do the things that they want to do and so I think we could be in barring any you know major relapse barring any problems with getting people vaccinated barring any you know breakout uh variants of the virus that you know that don't respond well to, either treatment or the vaccine, all of which are possible, but barring any of that, you know, summer, especially late summer, and as we get into the fall, the economy could really take off in a big way, which would be incredibly exciting after the year we've all just had. And so I think it's fair to ask the question, given that, what happens to digital? Does everything go back to normal? Does everything just, you know, revert to the way it was in January of 2020? And I believe the answer to that is no. And I believe there's a lot of evidence that suggests the answer to that is no, that strongly suggests that the answer to that is no. As I mentioned a couple weeks back, we have been living through a generational shift to digital. As I mentioned last week, we've lived through a year of digital right in one year. And there's plenty of data that suggests that we are in a whole new world. I mentioned on a past episode, oh gosh, six months ago about how, you know, there is no going back. You can only go forward. And there's some data that strongly suggests that this is true. Um, E-consultancy has a tremendous piece. And I will, of course, as I do, link to this in the show notes. But there's this great point about why new customer behaviors are here to stay and what we're seeing from this. This is something I touched on in an episode a couple weeks back about Shopify's monster year, the big year that Shopify, the e-commerce platform for small businesses had. And the fact that that's a strong sign that customers are still trying to connect with the content and with the commerce that matters to them. And it gets to a fundamental point, something that I know I've discussed before on the blog and here on the podcast and something I've talked about with lots of people, that we're not living through digital transformation. We are living through business transformation that happens to be enabled by digital. If you were starting a company today, you wouldn't create the company you created 10 years ago. If you were You know, if you work for a company that's been around for 50 years or 75 years or 100 years, the founders of that company would create a different company today, not necessarily in terms of the products or services that they offer, but in terms of how they create those products and services and how they deliver those products and services to their customers. Because we live in a different world today than we saw 50 years ago. And to illustrate that point, I want to call out something that happened, uh, something that Search Engine Journal published that really comes from LinkedIn data. But this was from a couple of weeks back about the top jobs that are available right now, according to LinkedIn. And the number one job is a frontline e-commerce worker. So that's somebody who's a driver or a supply chain associate or they handle packages, right? So these are people who are working on the front lines of fulfillment of e-commerce. We're seeing things like loan and mortgage experts, healthcare supporting staff, biz dev and sales professionals, experts in workplace diversity, digital marketing professionals, yay, nurses, education professionals, digital content creators. So these are jobs that are incredibly enabled by digital and are incredibly important because of digital and the changes that it has wrought. But what they're not necessarily, except for the digital marketers and the content creators, is it is not, they're not jobs themselves that are quote unquote digital. You know, when you talk about a frontline e-commerce worker, or you talk about a diversity expert, or you talk about a biz dev person or a healthcare supporting staff or a nurse those are jobs that involve interacting with people or interacting with physical goods that have been high in higher demand because digital has sort of driven us a certain way. And so it's something that, you know, the businesses themselves have changed, but the jobs are enabled by digital, are, you know, brought to the fore because of digital. The work itself isn't always digital work, or what we would think of as digital work, and we're seeing companies respond to this in all kinds of ways. Uh, Google has introduced these career certificates. There's an article in link, uh, excuse me, in Inc. magazine that I will link to. There's actually articles all over the place about this that talk about the kinds of skills Google is looking for, and those jobs include project management, user experience design and data analytics. Now the last one is definitely a digital gig. Let's be clear. The user experience design is probably a digital gig cuz you'll be dealing with digital assets, you know, websites and apps and you know things along those lines. But user experience is really about how do people interact with that. And of course, project management is just can you run a project? Can you actually make a project happen, which of course is incredibly important in the digital space, but it's equally important if you're building a building or opening a new restaurant. So it's this idea of they recognize, hey, we got to find new ways to staff these jobs and digital is going to enable that. This is a partnership with Coursera, if I didn't already say that out loud, where they're saying colleges aren't doing the job that we need them to as much as we need them to. And frankly, for these gigs, people don't need a college degree necessarily. They just need experience and the practical skills. And I think it's interesting that Google chose these for a couple reasons. (laughs) One, obviously they have needs in these areas. Also, they know what other people want because they know what people want. People go to Google every day and tell them. And I don't think it's because people are searching for those jobs, so that's true, but it's because people are posting those jobs. So it's not just an opportunity for Google to get people for their own company. It's an opportunity for them to provide access to other to people for other jobs that exist out there, which is a fascinating development because they're really looking at how do we create a different workforce enabled by digital, enabled by a different environment. There was also this great paper from the National Bureau of Economic Research. Uh, a number of researchers worked on this. John Bai, Eric Brynjolfsson, uh, Wang Jin, Sebastian Steffen, uh, Wan, and I hope I pronounced all their names correctly, but they've just done some research that showed, that, and I'm going to read from the excerpt a little bit, of the extract a little bit. Uh, this is a quote, we find that public firms with high pre-pandemic work-from-home index values had significantly higher sales, net incomes, and stock returns than their peers during the pandemic. Our results indicate that firms with higher digital resilience, as measured through our pre-pandemic work-from-home index, performed significantly better in ger- general and not essential industries in particular where work-from-home feasibility was necessary to continue operation the ability to use digital technologies to work remotely also mattered more in non-high-tech industries than in high-tech ones. And that's the end of the quote. Now, that doesn't quite say what I first thought it said when I first read it. And it it, it does also say what I thought. But <laughs> the first thing that they're saying with this paper is that, you know, um, that Companies that can work from home are more resilient. There's a business resiliency, a business continuity thing going on here. If you are a retailer, if you are a restaurant and people can't work from home and you were a non-essential industry and forced to close during the pandemic, then obviously you are going to do worse than companies who had a better capability of working from home. But that was also true for restaurants who provided delivery. That was also true uh, that they would perform better. That was also true for retailers who provided things like curbside pickup or delivery, that they performed better. Their ability to use digital technologies mattered because it enabled them to stay open. And that really gets to the point that I'm trying to make today which is that digital enables businesses in all kinds of ways, whether it is sourcing people, whether it is helping to educate people, whether it is finding the people you need to fill the jobs that you need, whether it is figuring out how to make sure your company can run if people can't come into your storefront or can't come into your restaurant or can't walk into your hotel or can't visit with one of your salespeople. Your ability to keep the lights on depends on your digital resiliency. Your business resiliency depends on your digital resiliency. And I think that's important because of things I've been talking about for the last, oh, I don't know, six months and six years, <laughs> right? There are four big trends we should expect over the next bunch of years. And I've said, this, I've said this a couple times before, but, you know, that there is going to be an unpredictable economy predictably. We should just depend on that fact. There's lots of evidence shaping up that we could be in for a boom. There's some evidence that suggests we could be in for a boom followed by a quick bust. There's lots of evidence that suggests people may wait to come back. I think it's going to be a boom. I'm pretty optimistic about that fact, but I also think we need to plan ahead for what if it doesn't go in that direction and how do we ensure we are resilient in any case. We know that there's an acceleration of digital adoption and that it's never going back. Yes, people want to get out and experience the world. Yes, people want to visit with their friends and their family. Yes, people want to see what's outside the four walls they've been stuck in for the last year. I know I do. What is also true is that they've adopted behaviors of, let me pull out my phone, let me pull out my tablet, when they need a question answered. And that's not something they're going to switch away from. That's just a change we should expect. We also know, and I'm not going to belabor this point because I've talked about it a lot lately, but we also know that the regulatory environment is shifting in ways that are going to be difficult for AGFAM, for Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, or the Frightful Five, or whatever you want to call them, and that provide both some challenges to your business and also opportunities for your business so long as you take advantage of them. And I have a Four Big Trends episode that I will link to in the show notes that has details of how you do that. We also know as part of this that customers want you to be more digital, as I talked about a moment ago with their acceleration of digital adoption. They also want you to be more human. They want those digital experiences to be very human-centric and very easy for them. They don't want to have to work hard. I find it interesting that Google putting so much emphasis on user experience design tells you something about the kinds of things that they think are important. Project management, user experience design, data analytics. Those are pretty clear signs of what Google finds important and valuable and tough to get their hands on you know, and it leads to things. Uh, there was a great piece from Brian Solis a couple weeks ago and from a guy named Rob Taos, I think is how you pronounce his name. I hope I got that correct about, you know, AI and automation being the linchpins for post-pandemic business success. That was Brian Solis's point Um, that AI might lead to quote unquote, the end of work. That was Rob Taos And I'm not a hundred percent sure I agree with him, but I certainly agree as I've just been talking about, that work is going to change because of this. There was a great piece on Axios about how artificial intelligence in, is industrializing and is starting to fade into the background. It's starting to become invisible, as I've talked about, because it's an enabling technology. You won't spend your day worrying about how to develop an AI, but you might spend a big chunk of your day interacting with that AI. You know, as I've said before, AI won't steal your job, but smart people who use AI might. So the point becomes, what kind of company are you going to be going forward? What kind of business are you going to build going forward? What kind of people are you going to bring on board forward who can help you do that? And what kind of environment do you want to create for your customers that is both digital and human so that they will choose you when they're ready to browse and shop and buy and all the things that we expect them to do, whether it happens next month, you know, in a couple of months during the summer or, you know, a year from now. You need to make sure you've got the pieces in place today because otherwise, The race will be over before you even get a chance to run it. You can do this. The tools are all there. The knowledge is there. The demand is there. All it takes is for you to step up and say, yep, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to build this kind of business for my employees and for my customers. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to see what you do. Now, looking at the clock on the wall, we are out of time for this week. I want to thank you again for listening. And I want to remind you that you can find the show notes for today's episode, as well as an archive of all past episodes, by going to timpeter.com slash podcast. Again, that's timpeter.com slash podcast. Just look for episode 321, our golden episode. (laughs) While you're there, Please don't forget that you can click on the subscribe link in any of the episodes that you see to get Thinks Out Loud delivered to your favorite podcatcher every single week. You can also find Thinks Out Loud on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Overcast, wherever fine podcasts are found. Just do a search for Tim Peter Thinks, Tim Peter Thinks Out Loud, or Thinks Out Loud. We should show up for any of those. While you're there, I would also very much appreciate it if you could provide us a positive rating or review. It helps new listeners find us. It helps them understand what the show is all about. It helps get the word out about Things Out Loud overall. It means a ton to me personally, and I would very, very much appreciate it. You can also find Things Out Loud on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Associates. You can find us on LinkedIn by going to linkedin.com slash associates. You can find me on Twitter using the Twitter handle at tcpeter. And, of course, you can email me by sending an email to podcast at timpeter.com. Again, that's podcast at timpeter.com. Just as I do every week, I'd like to thank our sponsor. Thinks Out Loud is brought to you by Solo Segment. Solosegment uses machine learning, natural language processing, and some very, very cool AI technology to help understand customer behavior and personalize the experience that customers have on large enterprise B2B websites. Solosegment does this using anonymous behavioral data to connect website visitors to the content that matters to them, to help customers accomplish their goals, and to drive conversions for your business. They do all of this while protecting customer privacy. You can learn more about Solo Segment and all of the wonderful things they do by going to solosegment.com. Again, that's solosegment.com. With that said, I'd like to say once again how much I appreciate you tuning in every single week. It means so much to me. I know, as I've said repeatedly, this past year has been crazy. The year that's coming is probably going to be kind of crazy too, hopefully in a much better kind of crazy. The fact that you choose to spend some part of your day, some part of your week, some part of your valuable life listening means more to me than I could possibly say. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. I hope you have a great weekend. And I will look forward to speaking with you here on Things Out Loud next time. Until then... Please be well, be safe, and as ever, take care, everybody.